Welcome to Torah Today Ministries and our continuing series, The Hebrew Key, where I take a Hebrew word or concept and we look at how it's used in the scriptures and what kind of insights are brought out only by looking into the Hebrew, things that do not find their way into our English translations. And the name of this episode is The Train of His Robe. And I'll explain that title in a moment as we get a little bit further along. But I want us to look at a particular Hebrew word. And that word is the word shul, shin, vav, lamed. And it is usually translated as hem or skirt, which is the part of a robe or a skirt that is closest to the ground. And we find this term six times in the Torah, all in the book of Exodus. This week I've been studying Torah portion Tetzave, this week's Torah portion, which describes different parts of the tabernacle, but also the clothing of the high priest. And we find in chapter 28, verses 33 to 34, we find the word shul, <clears throat> excuse me, translated hem three times. This is the passage. You shall make on its hem pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet material all around on its hem, its shul, and bells of gold between them all around, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem, the shul of the robe. So three times here in this passage, we find the word shul. The other three times we find the word shul in the Torah are about 11 chapters later in Exodus 39, verses 24 to 26. This is almost identical to the previous passage. It's just that in the previous passage, Moses is getting the instructions for making the garments. But in chapter 39, um, the garments are being made. And it says, on the shul, the hem of the robe, they made pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. They also made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates all around the shul, the hem of the robe, between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate around the shul, the hem of the robe for ministering, as Adonai had commanded Moses. Those are the six times we find this word in the Torah. And if you ever visit the Temple Institute in Jerusalem, you can see these golden bells and these pomegranates made out of uh, blue, red, and, um, and uh, purple yarns and wools. And, and there you see them on the robe of the high priest's clothing. The golden bell, a pomegranate, all the way around. So, the next time we meet this word is way over in Isaiah, in a completely different context. But before we look at that context, I want us to see what's going on here. God introduces this word in the Torah six times to get it into our minds that on the hem of the high priest robe, there are golden bells and pomegranates, a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate. And he's a, he keeps reinforcing this. This is what the shul is. It's the hem of the high priest's garment. And some people wonder, what do these bells and pomegranates represent? Well, bells make sound. They draw attention. You hear a bell ringing and you go and answer the door or... 
if you're a butler, you go and find out what the master or mistress of the, of the mansion want from you. Um, or if you just hear bells, you, you look up to see what is that, whether it's a, a church bell or whatever kind of bell it is. It draws attention. It gets the attention of the people who are around. Pomegranates don't make sound, though. The thing that, that makes pomegranates so unique is that they are so filled with seeds. If you've ever cut open a pomegranate, there's just hundreds of seeds inside. And the entire contents are these red seeds. And of course, they're, they're quite delicious too. But when you think of pomegranates, you think of fruitfulness. And, um, and that is always what pomegranates symbolize. So pomegranates are a symbol of fruitfulness. But bells are a symbol of getting attention. Well, it's interesting that in the Brit Kadashah, we find the fruits of the Spirit listed. And these are found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. And when we count the number of fruit, we find there are nine of them. This is the passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, there are no restrictions on these. Do these nine things as much as you can. Those are the nine fruit of the Spirit. But when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, we find the gifts of the Spirit. And when we count them, we see that once again there are nine. Here's what they are. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of languages, to another the interpretation of languages. And again, there are nine. And like the fruit, the uh, pomegranates and the bells, these two lists represent fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. And like the bells, the gifts draw attention. They allow us to communicate with people better. But the gifts do not impart life. The fruits of the Spirit do. Because one of the things about fruit is they contain seed. And the, the contents of a pomegranate is pretty much just all seed. These delicious, beautiful seeds. So it, it's very fruitful. And we are to have these together. Now, I could easily go off on a rabbit trail here of talking about the gifts of the Spirit and, and whether they happen today or not. I believe they do, but I believe also that a lot of what passes for the gifts of the Spirit uh, aren't of the Spirit, their emotion. And see, I'm already going down that rabbit trail. But these are to be in balance. And if we have the gifts of the Spirit, we need to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. And this is why on the high priest robe, it was a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. They were in perfect balance. And they were at the bottom of his robe, close to where it's at near the earth. Because when we walk, these are the things we are to walk in. 
We should be walking in the fruit and in the gifts of the Spirit. Exercising wisdom, exercising discernment, exercising faith, praying for people for their healing. Unfortunately, because we are egotistical human beings, we desire the gifts of the Spirit, unfortunately, more than we desire the fruit. Because gifts draw attention to us. Gifts make noise. Bells make noise. And, um, and it's easy to tune into a, a television station or a YouTube uh, channel where you see a lot of hoopla, a lot of bells, but very little fruit of God's Spirit. So anyways, getting back to what I believe is being taught here, God wants us to walk in the gifts and in the fruit of the Spirit in a way that's humble, in a way that serves people. I just happen to remember a teaching I did years ago um, at a community down in Georgia, and I was uh, teaching about the high priest's garments. And it occurred to me that some people like to put bells on their hats. And I found, I found a picture of a court jester, you know, that funny spiky hat and their bells. And I thought, how often, instead of being like the priest, we're like a court jester. We're shaking our heads and look at all my, my gifts. Look at all the noise I can make. But we're just clowns when we do that. Which reminds me of a quote I read recently. I may have shared it in a previous video. But Charles Spurgeon, about 150 years ago, in, a, in what turns out to be very prophetic, he said, the day will come that instead of having shepherds that feed the sheep, the church will have clowns that entertain the goats. And I think we live in that time. I, don't, I do not want to be a clown that entertains the goats. I want to be a, a shepherd that feeds sheep. So... If you desire the gifts of the Spirit, good. Paul sets us a good thing. But desire the best gifts. And desire them not for your glory, but for God's. Not to draw attention to you, but to draw attention to Messiah. Not to serve you, but to serve people in humility. And like Yeshua, we should be telling people, now, just be quiet about it. Don't be talking about this. This is between you and me and God. And we should be blessing people that way quietly and not drawing attention to ourselves. So all of that to say, I believe that these bells and pomegranates around the shul, around the hem of the high priest robe, are a picture of the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, now six times we've encountered this word. All six times are in the book of Exodus. All of them have to do with the hymn of the high priest. And every time the shul is mentioned, it's mentioned along with bells and pomegranates. Now the next time, the seventh time we find this word in the Bible is in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6. And here is the passage. We'll look at the first four verses. Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. And the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And the word there for Lord is the word Adon. You could say, I saw my master sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the shul, there's the word. The shul of his robe 
filled the temple. Uh, the word for temple in Hebrew is hechel, which is sometimes translated temple, and other times palace. And it would seem that this palace of God's house is also the temple, but it's the heavenly temple. And I know that we're used to hearing the King James rending of this verse where it says the train of his robe. But when I picture a train of someone's robe, I, I think of a bride when she has that, all that <laughs> real estate of fabric dragging behind her when she goes up the aisle. Um, but this is referring to the shul of God's robe. So again, six times we've met this word. It's like God saying, okay, get ready for number seven and make sure you connect this with the next time, the seventh time. Seven, the number fulfillment and perfection. So the hem of his robe filled the temple or the palace. Seraphim, seraph come, uh, is a word for burning or flaming. So the seraphim were the flaming ones. These are, are angels of fire. Seraphim were stationed above him. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. This is, is a very bizarre image. Two wings to cover the face. If it's covering the face, it's so that I do not see. There's something here that is to be hidden. I'm not to look upon it yet. Covering the feet means I'm not to be seen. There are parts of me that should not be revealed. So when I think of coming before God's presence, there I want to see him. I want to behold his glory, but no one can see God fully as he is and live. And yet there are parts of me that I also need to keep hidden. There are parts of me that need to be clothed, that should not be put on display. And I think these these angels of flame are demonstrating this to us. And with the other two wings, they hovered. They just kind of fluttered in place. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Adonai of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that phrase there, the whole earth is filled with his glory, could also be translated uh, the whole earth is his glory, or the fullness of the earth is his glory. You can translate it either way. And then it says, And the pillars of the threshold swayed at the voice, calling out, while the house was filling with smoke. The house being God's temple, God's palace, God's throne room is filled with smoke. Now, I know the, the song is so popular. Um, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. But what it says here is that the train, the shul of his robe, filled the temple. And then it says the whole earth is full of his glory. But then the house is filling with smoke. And you can't see through smoke. Smoke causes darkness. It's almost like, yes, his train was filling the temple with glory, but it's like you can't see it yet. You just can't see it yet. Now let's take the first six instances of shul and connect it to this seventh instance of the same word. The high priest shul, his hymn, was adorned with pomegranates and golden bells. And let's assume I'm correct that these represent the nine fruits and nine gifts of the Spirit. 
which add up to 18, which is the number Chet Yad Chai, which means life. And then let's assume that the hem of God's robe also is something that impacts the earth, that impacts the world. And yet we're not allowed to see it. We just can't quite see it yet. You know, in Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19, Moses is on Mount Sinai with God, and he makes a request. Moses said, please show me your glory. But what did God say? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. We all want to see God's glory. But God says, not yet. But you can see all my goodness. And as the, 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 the hymn of, of God's robe filled the house, and it was filled with smoke, God's saying, not yet. You can't see yet. But you can see my goodness. And as the high priest walked, you could see the pomegranates, you could see and hear the bells, which are an expression of God's goodness. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, they're not for your benefit, they're for the benefit of everyone else. And as others walk in the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit, they're walking in God's goodness, which is for my benefit. And if we are a kingdom of priests, we should be imitating and modeling our high priest, Yeshua, who is full of gifts, who gives gifts to men, who is the source of fruitfulness in this world, and he wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And that doesn't mean just to having children, but also to multiplying spiritually and making disciples, making spiritual children for our Father. So the glory is not seen yet, but the goodness is. And though God's glory was filling the temple, it filled it with smoke. He says, not yet you can't see yet. But my high priest, Yeshua, walked in the earth and will walk on the earth again. In the meantime, as his ambassadors, we walk on the earth. And we are to walk in the fruits and in the gifts of the Spirit, not for our sake, not to draw attention to us, but in service to him by serving others. And I want to finish this teaching by going to the very end of the Bible, over to Revelation, where we find this wonderful passage in Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23. It says, I saw no temple in the city. This is the new Jerusalem that has now come to earth. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it. Because the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. In other words, the day is coming when we will be able to endure seeing God's glory in all of its fullness. And when God's glory will fill the earth in such a way that we can see it. We know the earth is filled with His glory now, but you just can't quite see it without spiritual eyes. But someday our eyes will see him in all of his glory. And then there will be no smoke. It will just be light. 
for the glory of God gives its light to the whole city, to the whole world. What a day that'll be. So until the day God's glory is revealed, let's help reveal his goodness to the world. Let's see his goodness Let's reflect his goodness and share his goodness with the world. And in that way, we can serve as his priest in this earth. So, until next time, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. That's all, folks.